0: Hey folks, uh, welcome once again to the conversations podcast. This is actually uh, the last episode of season three and, um, man, it's been wild getting, we've gotten a pretty darn good survey of church history. And then, um, uh, then it makes me think about the moment that we're in now. I I get, okay, I've kind of got a bit of perspective that I didn't have before this series about, you know, the ebbs and flows and the waves of, of God's uh, redemptive movement at different different times, and I think, well, then, what kind of a what kind of a time is this then? Like, what are we living in now? And so, I wanted us to wrap up by by uh, doing um, you know sort of a a look at what's happening in the world right now, and what have we experienced essentially in our lifetimes? Um, and you know, there's actually, I really don't think there's a better possible guest for that than who I've got with me here. Our very own Josh Armstrong. Hey, Josh. Hello, everybody, once again. (laughs) Josh, as you guys know, is uh, engaged in mission work uh, all over the world and does a leadership um, with his leadership in Vineyard USA and uh, with an emphasis in Haiti and especially in the last few years in Africa, Western Africa, and now really throughout Africa. So we'll get to all of that. Um, But, you know, it's interesting, Josh. I've, I've looked back, you know, you know, we, we, for example, we talked to we talked to Mark Fields um, and talked about the Desert Fathers and in, in the third and fourth century, and that's this time where there's like, um, it seems like there was a scattering of the church. There's there was uh, the history is really sparse, you know, um, and people don't really know the stories from that time frame. Uh, and then we also talked to uh, Doctor Stubblefield as well. Um, talking about the dark ages, which that's actually not the correct terminology, but that actually makes sense because um, it's a time in history. It was like, we feel like there wasn't much going on. There wasn't a lot of exciting stuff happening in the church. And then what we've seen is actually there was a lot of incredible things going on in those time periods. And as I've been considering, well, where are we now? Um, Even though God's moving in all of those times, I think I maybe have been a bit pessimistic to think, well, that doesn't mean God doesn't isn't moving, but maybe this is one of those darker periods. And it's just not true, man. <laughs> like I'm just if that's your perception and at moments it has been mine, it's just so incorrect. God is doing exceptional things. And I think people will look back at this period of history and as one of the really special and remarkable times of God's move as a, as opposed to one of those sort of quieter times in the redemptive history of the church. So, um, uh, Josh, uh, you are really clued in to and, and zoomed in on what um, God is doing and has done. Why don't you um, just give us a bit of an overview, man. Let us know uh, what's been happening uh, really essentially in our lifetimes around the world. I know that's a really broad, <laughs> but some, you know, painting with broad strokes tell us uh what we're seeing
1: yeah and thanks aaron and if you guys didn't listen to um steve nicholson's podcast just talking about oh, man, um, man <laughs> it's, it's one of the best ones I, yeah. I, I know we're not supposed to have favorites but we love steve and steve <laughs> you know really did do a good job of talking about not necessarily only in our lifetime he went a little bit before that back to the earliest th- early 20th century um and uh just the pentecostal movements uh, that have taken place plural uh, around mm-hmm. the world and Um, But, yeah, you should go back and listen to that, and that really kind of would be a a good one to listen to if you haven't uh, to lead into what we hopefully are going to cover here today. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, Aaron, I 100% agree with you that we are seeing one of the most explosive Things in all of church history happening in our lifetimes, Mm -hmm. and people may not realize that. Especially, you know, if you're listening to this, which most of you are probably listening from either East Tennessee or somewhere in the states, and you say, "Ah, you know, we've we've seen what's happening in Europe, and now we're seeing what's happening in in the United States," and we probably heard some sermon where people are saying, "You know, everything's doom and gloom." Not by Aaron, of (laughs) course. That feels personal. Not not from. I've taught a lot about the
0: collapse of Christendom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and look, there's some validity to that. I mean, there there have been alarming things in our culture and, and within our even church culture, for sure. Um, and yet uh, God is doing as much around the world as he's ever done, as far as what I can tell mm-hmm. looking at church history. And I would even say that that we're seeing um, new and exciting things that's trickling into right here in our our own backyard in the, the Bible Belt that some people think you know, is trending away from that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think God's on the move. He always has been. He always will be. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got some exciting things going on. Um, but to just really speak to a little more of the specifics of your question, um just looking at the last 50 to 75 years i mean gosh if you if you've done any homework at all on on the worldwide movement uh that has taken place you got to zero in on china uh, mm-hmm. you know china's uh china went from you know this this communist country where it was uh, you know illegal to be A Christian, or if you were a Christian, you had to register with a state church, and Mm -hmm. just a lot of difficulties with that. And in the midst of persecution, the church absolutely exploded in ways that it never had before. There'd been missionaries going to years in China, and there'd been some fruit from that, for sure. But when extreme persecution took place under Mao Zedong uh, in, what, the 50s, I guess, and and don't quote me on some of my history here, Um, you know, the church uh, just absolutely exploded, the underground church. And so you look mm-hmm. at what happened there and you look at the movements that happened in other Asian countries and in and, and, and South Korea and other places. Um, the most remarkable thing that I can think of just in the last few decades has been uh, the explosion of the gospel throughout the Muslim world, and yeah. especially
0: in the Middle East and, and North Africa and in some of these places. And Josh, I think a lot of people... Um- uh, this would not be this is where you spend so much time and energy um and so you you wouldn't think this at all, but I think a lot of people have a bit of a mindset that goes man the middle east is it's almost like that's such a dark place it's not happening man we're the, we're not getting traction and there's a i think a defeatist spirit about that, but I think you could probably let us know that there's no reason to feel that way. Uh, many missiologists are saying that the
1: most explosive place where the gospel is going viral on planet Earth right now mm-hmm. is uh, the Middle East. It's yeah. it's incredible. You're not going to see that on your news stations, mm-hmm. you know, but what you hear uh, through certain uh, missions networks and 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 people that are on the ground there is it is remarkable. What's taking place, and it makes sense. It makes sense because you know the church has always, uh, for reasons that only the Holy Spirit can really help us to understand, the church has always exploded in places mm-hmm. where it is either not legal or extremely difficult to be a Christian, mm-hmm. where persecution takes place, um, and uh, well, it,
0: it pulls out what it's a test of authenticity in to some degree. Like when you experience persecution. Um, you have to really anchor in who you are and what you believe and you 've got to live it out there's no there 's no room for nominalism when you 're being heavily persecuted and so historically the church is, it always has thrived in the midst of persecution
1: and it shouldn 't surprise us if we take Jesus seriously. Jesus mm-hmm. had a lot to say about persecution and he that did. that we would be persecuted um and so uh yeah the the places on on planet earth where that's taking place uh it's remarkable how the the gospel is going viral and frankly the places where it's not taking place um a lot of times people get stagnated in their faith and and mm-hmm. have to be reawakened to mm-hmm. hey, what does it really mean to follow Jesus no matter what mm-hmm. rather than just uh kind of settle into a a culturally comfortable christianity which we're all at risk of mm-hmm. um so it's not to say we need to conjure up persecution or anything like that that's not the point i, mm-hmm. I think the point is though um to look toward uh these places where that is taking place and realize, hey, you know, these folks are willing to sacrifice no matter what. And in yeah. what ways can I at least to some extent do that in my own context? So yeah. that's a, that's another conversation. But mm-hmm. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, what's happening right now, and in certainly in the last 50 years, mm-hmm. is truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, you know, you could certainly just do a Google, but um, probably a couple times today I'll point people toward uh, the Joshua Project, which is a great place to yeah. find out both about what has been happening but also what currently is happening in some of the most difficult places in the world
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it, I, we just it 's helpful to pull the camera back, look at the big picture, and it's something I mentioned a time or two, but the Pentecostal um movement and then the the various offshoots of the Pentecostal movement is historically speaking entirely unprecedented. It is the greatest outpouring of God's Spirit and of new people finding life as far as percentage of population, really through every 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 set of lenses I can find, we're in the midst of the most remarkable explosion of the kingdom that we've ever seen at any point in church history. Um, and we, we really should be encouraged by that. We should be really hopeful, like, this moment holds the potential for all of the kingdom to come. Um, so... There, it's a incredibly multifaceted thing that's happening, you know, here and there, and all these different waves of the Spirit that are happening concurrently, and that's really encouraging. But we as a church, under your leadership, Josh, as our missions pastor, um, have been able to, you know, be a part of some specific things that have been really, really fruitful. Um, so kind of, again, <laughs> give us uh, an overview of how our church has been able to to partner in what the spirit's been doing around the world and um because we i i feel i'll honestly i just feel really honored that we as a church um by god's by God's providence, has given us a chance to participate, kind of at the ground level as some really, really exciting things. So tell us about that stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want to presume that everybody listening to this has has heard about the history of our church in terms of missions. So just a very quick uh, history lesson. And then also I just want to give a very quick uh, kind of set of values uh, wherewith we work in terms of uh, how we how we. Try to partner with the Holy Spirit and do missions. Um, so, our church is currently directly involved in, in two countries. Uh, we're indirectly involved in several others. Uh, but, you know, about uh, 12 years ago, uh, we moved to Haiti. We got involved in Haiti, and our church really got around some of the cool things that God was doing in Haiti. And, and one of the things that we discovered there is that yeah you, you know you can plant churches or you can do ministry to the poor or you can do you know whatever other kinds of mission work that you might think of and they're all great but God really calls us to a holistic approach to how do we partner with the Holy Spirit to see kingdom come in an area um, knowing that we're not the people that are going to bring that there, but rather we're mm-hmm. going to partner with what, what it is God's already doing in a place. Mm-hmm. What we found in Haiti is God was already on the move and had been long before I had even taken my first breath mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on this planet. Sure. You know, God's God's been on the move in Haiti, and there are incredible leaders. And so how do we come a- alongside leaders, um, people— uh, networks that may already exist, um, and just help uh, pour gas on the fire. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we did, we started exploring with, uh, with several concepts back in those days, but, um, we really started learning about something called disciple making movements, which was just a, you know, an idea of how do we look at how Jesus make, made disciples rather than, directly planting churches, nothing wrong with that, but how do we look at make, making disciples um, and, and partnering with indigenous leaders to do that and then seeing the church emerge and the church meeting needs where it's at. And by the church, I mean the Haitian church, not not Americans just constantly coming in, putting mm-hmm. Band-Aids on things, but rather mm-hmm. um, how do we partner with what God's already doing and people that are God's already working with mm-hmm. um, to see holistic change mm-hmm. in areas. And it was just incredible what God started doing through uh, young leaders, old leaders, men, women, educated, uneducated. And before we knew it, uh, and this is going to be new to Aaron, uh, before we knew it, when we left Haiti, there were 800 groups meeting around the country mm-hmm. that were, that were exacting change in their communities. Mm-hmm. People were coming to Christ. It was multiplicative, unbelievable. And we, we learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes, learned mm-hmm. a lot, uh, to this day, um, I just got the latest report. Mm. Through persecution, because if you don't know what's going on in Haiti mm. right now, unbelievable. Mm. Through extraordinarily difficult circumstances in Haiti, the, they now have 3,000 groups Wow, that are meeting in that country. <laughs> now, we've been back in the States for a while now, so uh-huh. clearly it's not she had anything to do with the, 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 the American missionaries being uh-huh. there, you know, and so...
0: Well, you know, so, so it's all run by Haitians now
1: all run by Haitians, Mm -hmm. man. We just encourage and and love and pray for and Mm -hmm. and along the way. These, these guys and gals are crushing it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, a few years ago we said, Hey, you know, let's just continue to, we we've helped. We've been a a part of building up some teams here. They're doing it. Like Mm -hmm. let's, let's go where we're needed and, or at least where we feel called uh, to you know, the next place to, to go on an adventure with God. And so we moved back to the States and, um, And our church quickly uh, got excited about uh, identifying and meeting needs amongst unreached people groups. Mm -hmm. Um, For those who don't know, the rough numbers are there are 17,446 people groups. Those would be distinctive language groups uh, around the planet, uh, across Earth, 17,446 and um experts have identified that seven thousand three hundred and ninety one of those are considered unreached people groups
0: that's wild. meaning it's a huge number
1: it's a huge number i mean it's not not fifty percent, but it's not far off yeah. you know what forty percent something like that mm-hmm. um and uh meaning when I say unreached people groups we're talking about less than two percent of the the people in those language groups. Uh, have a, Have a relationship with Jesus, mm. um, many of which have either have no knowledge of jesus or, or or quite likely have not even heard the name of Jesus and people yeah. say that how is that possible? yeah uh, well, when you look at the ten forty window, which is a long, long stretch primarily covering parts of Africa and asia and, and and certainly the Middle East right there in the middle of those two continents but but um the the, the vast majority of unreached people groups are there, mm. and i've visited a lot of places in those uh, in the countries that are in the 1040 window, and truly, you, you run across people that have no knowledge of Jesus and mm. and, and really no access to the knowledge. Mm. Um, there's there's that's called UPGs, unreached people groups uh, mm. amongst missionary types, and then you have UUPGs or unreached, unengaged people groups. Yeah. And so, across the 10, 1040 window, you have many of those. Those would be people groups that not only have less than two percent of people that are Christians, but they're unengaged. Meaning, there's no, there's no, um, there's no concrete effort. There's no systematic effort mm-hmm. to try to reach out to those unreached people groups with the gospel of Jesus.
0: So yeah, so there's not like significant missionary efforts, or not. There's, there's not
1: missionaries. There's
0: not there's, not. there's not. There's not like a, a certain denomination yeah yeah.
1: No, yeah it's 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 a
0: wasteland essentially as far as the gospel
1: yeah and a lot of times that's uh that takes place because they're uh, it's it's difficult and dangerous, so certainly a lot of mm. these places we're talking about are uh they're not unreached, unengaged because nobody necessarily cares it's because there's mm. closed access sure. not always but a lot of times it is completely closed access, and so uh, a few brave men and women uh, venture in, but that's mm. tough sledding. And so, mm-hmm. um, anyways, uh, to answer your question, and kind of, uh, I say all that to say um, when we moved back from Haiti, we really tried to start mobilizing attention and effort toward these unreached people groups yeah. and saying, how, how can our little church in East Tennessee make a small dent in the 7,391? People groups uh, that have just millions and millions and millions of people that don't know Jesus. And so,
0: Josh, can I just confess uh, something to you right now? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Years ago, when you started talking to me about this stuff, I just felt like my faith was so small mm-hmm. because I thought that sounds like such an enormous task. I, I can't. Like I, I, God can do anything, you know, all sort of the obligatory Christian statements, I had them all in my, you know, <laughs> in an ankle holster ready to pull them out at any time, but deep down I thought, how in the world, like there are all these churches in this beautiful expressions of the body of Christ, many that are much larger with much greater resources than we have, how in the world is, is our little church going to have any kind of impact? Um, and I know you're, I don't want to jump ahead in the story, um, but I that overwhelming, uh, man, it's good. I guess it's good to have a, to have a vision that's more than you can actually see, uh, coming to fruition without God intervening. But man, my faith was so small and I've been proven so wrong. Um, uh, uh, God has, God has really stepped in and made a way where to, at least to my limited eyes and my tiny faith, there, there seemed to be no way. So, um, anyway, I, I appreciate your courage in that moment to, um, Sit down with a skeptical pastor and say, No, I really I really think mm-hmm. I really think we can do something that matters.
1: Well, I'll give I'll give pushback to what Aaron said. He has been incredibly supportive along the way and so has so many of the leadership of our church has just said, Look, this yeah, maybe it does sound crazy, but look if, if God is calling us to that, let's let's test those waters and explore. Mm-hmm. What that could look like, um, and I love that, and, and let me tell you why. Because you know, amongst and don't quote me on these stats, okay, but I, I've seen a statistic that's something close to this: that amongst um, U.S. missions, money being spent less than uh, less than ten percent of that, and I think it's a smaller percentage than that, goes toward doing anything remotely close to working um, with unreached people groups. Um, so, in other words, ninety plus percent of missions dollars coming out of the United States is going toward fantastic things by the way and yeah. I, I pray that we keep doing these things but but you know compassion projects or building a church in you know mexico or, or somewhere mm-hmm. and where there are, are are already so many christians i mean mm-hmm. we're talking about christian countries places a lot, where sometimes. people
0: have access to the places gospel where people have like, access and, mm-hmm. and
1: again it's not to take away from any of that but the disparity yeah. of of you know amount of dollars that's yeah. that's going into places where there's no access and frankly a and I'll just uh, real talk. Is that okay? Sure. I think it's because a lot of times we're not going to see some of this fruit directly. We're not going to be able to send large mm-hmm. m- mission trips, you know, and or certainly not send you know youth trips or mm-hmm. and things like that. And and we need those things. Um, let me just say, sure. I'm a big fan of I lead them myself, you know, mm-hmm. m- short term mission trips because I think a we can do some good, but more than that, they're they're fantastic tools for discipleship for our own people to give us a bigger understanding of what God's doing. Mm-hmm. So yes to all that stuff, mm-hmm. but a lot of churches, uh, I think, are afraid to bite the bullet on on working with unreached people groups because it's it's not quote unquote sexy ministry. A lot of times, mm-hmm. it's 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 and you can't always see uh, the fruit of what's happening, and you yeah. have to kind of trust a few of the leaders that are able to see it. And mm-hmm. that's another thing. And so, but our church uh, didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to the heart of, of you to our, our our church leadership to say, "Yeah, this is a, a huge need." Maybe we can't make a big dent, but let's at least take a stab at it. Mm-hmm. And we did. Mm-hmm. And um, so about, yeah, uh, it's been close to a decade now, but uh, the, the work's actually been happening for about eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, through a long series of events, which I won't go into detail about, um, our vision got narrowed uh, to uh, the far western side of the 1040 window uh, mm-hmm. to a, a country called Cote d'Ivoire. Or you may know it as the Ivory Coast. Beautiful mm-hmm. coast on the southwest corner, excuse me, well, the southwest of the northern part, if you can see a map of Africa, Uh, I butchered that description of the map, but, uh, um, and and you got this beautiful country of the Ivory Coast, and Mm -hmm. um, it was strategic, because uh, even though it's been through a couple of civil wars over the last 20 years, it nevertheless is relatively safe and stable, and was a, a, a strategic as a launching point to start working with other places in West Africa, which is again on the far western side of the 1040 window. And so we said, let's just do an exploratory trip there. Um, the beautiful part of that story is I took one of my best friends, who's a Haitian guy that worked, continues to work with us in Haiti, mm-hmm. uh, Gabriel Lindor. And and this is a guy whose ancestors would have come as slaves uh, from yeah. that part of Africa to the New World, you know, years, hundreds of years ago. And, and now um, Gabe has played maybe – Maybe the largest role uh, as far as humans are concerned mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in launching a movement amongst Haitians and going yeah. back to West Africa to explore what God might want to do through Him mm-hmm. uh, there. And so, yeah, we, we started going on some exploratory trips, identifying persons of peace, and it got narrowed down to a people group called the Dugu people. It was the first. People group. Uh, So that's one of that, that, that's 7,391, a huge number. We said, let's start with one. And so started working with this Unreached People group, um, and we've now been working with them for years. The work there has exploded. Just hundreds and hundreds of Muslim and Muslim animist background people have Mm -hmm. come to the faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of churches have been formed. And uh, what I maybe get the most excited about is a lot of the leaders that were formed in that first Unreached People group have. Have been catalytic in launching work amongst other unreached people groups, yeah. of which we're now working with several in the Ivory Coast. That work has bled into the country of Mali, which is a little more difficult, a little more hostile, mm-hmm. um, and uh, now it's going into other countries. Um, mm-hmm. There are other partnerships that have been formed. Um, there are now we're pushing ten unreached people groups mm-hmm. that, uh, and uh, okay. we have we have plans. Uh, just in the near future to t- to take on some more, and yeah, so um, that's making a dent. It's making That's a difference, man. A deal. It's you know our, again our little church here, and now we've partnered with some other vineyard churches, not just in the U.S., but uh, in uh, some other countries in Africa and in the U.K. Mm-hmm. And so,
0: yeah. So we started moving a little quickly there for me. Let me slow you down. The word Dugu people. <laughs> I mostly I just wanted people to know I could say that word. Uh, great, we were we were working there for well over a year before I could say it. I still can't spell it. Um, <clears throat> but there's a lot of people there, um, and. There's been significant inroads. Can you just say a little bit more about what's happened in that specific? I mean, there are many, many groups. I haven't heard numbers in quite some time, but I think hundreds, right? And groups that have multiplied. And will you explain a bit how you talk about generations in terms of groups that multiply and, and how that the DMM uh, process tends to work? Yeah, I love talking about that stuff. So thanks for, Thanks for asking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, early on, I mean, look, we got a bunch of Americans coming in. Uh, I, t- I said I was going to touch on values. I didn't really go into a lot of detail. But uh, one thing I'll say is we, we definitely kind of loathe the idea of this colonial
0: physiology mm-hmm. that comes in. And says, Which goes back to what? we learned about the Clapham saints they 100%. really they really started that like a, we're actually not trying to make them like us
1: yes 100% yeah. i mean again i say we say this all the time we're we're joining god in the renewal of all things but mm-hmm. we're joining god where he's already working that's right uh, god has been at work for years and years and years in places like the ivory coast and there are people that god has already been raising up um, to do what, what he's calling them to do amongst the people groups there. Mm-hmm. And so early on, we said, how can we just go in, identify the persons of peace that God is already working in their hearts, um, and then eventually begin to train kind of a first generation of people who are open and receptive to the gospel um, to just being obedient to the word of words of Jesus uh, mm-hmm. through a discovery process. And so really, uh, again, we say that a lot of people in planet Earth don't have uh, mm-hmm. access to the gospel. So yeah. one of our big early tasks was just how do we get access into the hands of spiritually curious people mm-hmm. that are open to discover God's
0: word in their own lives. Mm-hmm. and, and Because of the work of the Holy Spirit's already been doing there long Absolutely. before we got there. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. This is God's work. It's not our work. We're just playing a small little role. <laughs> um, we're just accelerating some things that he's already mm-hmm. been doing, I think. And, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and The receptivity was remarkable amongst mm-hmm. that first Unreached People groups. We found people who already had an idea of Jesus. We had uh, quite a few who had a very distant idea of Jesus, and some who had no idea of Jesus, but Mm -hmm. a lot who were spiritually curious and open. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, through a series of um, trainings and discovery sessions and all that, a first generation was, was raised up. And from there uh they were just uh, encouraged to be obedient to Jesus and if we're obedient to Jesus we share we 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 do the great commission and mm-hmm. so those folks you know they hadn't been uh hadn't seen a watered down version of church like many of us yeah. in the states have right. they just said oh that's what this this incredible person that I've just fallen in love with, Jesus. That's what he tells me to do. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. And so they already have social networks they're involved in. They go and share in their social networks, which leads to a second generation of people discovering the Word of God through things like discovery Bible studies, mm-hmm. and, and 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 on from there. So it's multiplicative. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a pyramid, a reverse pyramid mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of kind of yeah. thing going on. And, and and really, it's just how Jesus did things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the key texts we use when we talk about these is Luke chapter ten verses one through 10, where Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. And mm-hmm. so we encourage people to read that passage and, and do it. And, mm-hmm. and they did. Yeah, they <laughs> and we were astounded it. that they started doing it and groups started multiplying out. And before before long, it was just a few years ago, we had like 13 generations. Now we're losing mm-hmm. track in that first yeah. people group, which yeah, is awesome. That's the goal. What, yeah. what that means, Aaron, is that the, the, the gospel has gone viral.
0: Yeah, that's what it means. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I forget who it was that talks about the, the gospel as a sneeze. You just can't get it back. It's <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <That's> fantastic. <laughs> and so, th- and so we just. Uh, I think we just like kind of tickled the nose of some people that mm-hmm. God was already working in their hearts, and they sneezed, and then it. Yeah, you know, went I out. love it it's it. really gross, but yeah, man.
0: but it works <laughs> it makes sense so I mean so it's hundreds and hundreds of groups and t- based on, and and perhaps thousands who knows it's and, hundreds of
1: groups. it's some that have formed into what we might consider church as we know it um mm-hmm. you know uh which is great we we never mm-hmm. discourage that we really encourage them not to lose the DNA of multiplication yeah. um and and disciple making so mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah there
0: established churches don't establish the watered-down version of church that we've been sort of exporting throughout the world uh, historically. And
1: we certainly don't want them to... Uh, we'd rather them not even know... Uh, I'm not saying this in a bad way because I love the way we do church here. I mean, I'm a big fan. <laughs> but uh, it's not going to be super translatable to a Muslim no. culture yeah, where so. uh, truly people are going to experience persecution and mm-hmm. things like that. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, Man, there's a lot to be said about that, but yeah, we, mm-hmm. we, so we, we now have hundreds and hundreds of groups uh, in that first Unreached People group, yeah. and again, they, uh, um, we, there were some leaders from, this is cool, so as we started identifying the second Unreached People group that that we felt like God was calling us to engage with the gospel, um, we were part of that, and when I say we, I mean some leaders and uh, churches from the United States, but the biggest thing we did was encourage people from that first unreached people group to mm-hmm. go one unreached people group over yeah. and them to be kind of the catalytic agent yeah. to identify the persons of peace that were in that unreached people group. And yeah. so that's now Beautiful. what's what's taking place. And it's not just taking place people group to people group in the Ivory Coast, but now it's spreading from the Ivory Coast to other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, man. That's so 10
0: people groups is where we're at now as far as that have been engaged on some level? 10
1: directly. Okay. Uh, and I say directly because some of those people groups certainly have overlap with other language groups. Yeah. But I'm saying okay. people groups, and, you, and just to give – I know this is a lot to wrap our our heads around. It's kind of drinking from a fire hose. But just in the Ivory Coast alone, you're talking about more than 100 language groups. If you go to Nigeria – uh, a couple countries over, you're talking about more uh, more than f- uh, 500 language wow. groups. One country, uh, yeah. relatively small country a geographically. That. Yeah, I mean it's not just huge mm-hmm. geographically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are these are all tribes, tribal mm-hmm. groups, language mm-hmm. groups, um, mm-hmm. and many of these don't even have basic things. Uh, they don't have like a um, Certainly, Bibles translated, um, but they don't have their languages taught in schools or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these languages are even going extinct. That's a mm-hmm. whole other conversation. Uh-huh. Um, but to speak to people in their heart language, the gospel mm-hmm. is yeah. an important and vital thing, and it's why uh, it's why we really want people to experience Jesus in their heart language mm-hmm. from their own people, or at least a people that speaks a similar language. Yeah. So there's a yes.
0: huge conversation. We can uh-huh. really get in the weeds here. I but... know. I know. It's fascinating, though. Yeah. Which brings another I mean Bible translation and oh, just man. all sorts of work that so needed that is involved. Yeah. yeah.
1: One of the I'll say a quick side note about that. One of the cool things that uh, that our particular partnership that's working in the Ivory Coast has done, and this has been spearheaded by a remarkable couple named Jim and Vicky Egley mm-hmm. is instead of trying to spend years and years and years trying to translate the whole Bible into one language, which needs to be done by the way. Yeah. Uh, they've said, Yeah, let's do that, but let's, if nothing else, very quickly get um, a few stories translated, mm-hmm. key stories to help people understand yeah. creation to Christ in the Bible. Yes. So, if we can only get thirty key stories translated mm. into a heart language of a people, um, let's do that. Uh, and that has been incredibly effective. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yep. Yeah, oh, they're brilliant absolutely. people. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're good Vineyard people out of uh, yeah. out of Illinois. Yeah. yeah. So uh, suffice to say, things are have really taken off. Oh, and they're multiplying rapidly and um, gone viral in a real way and can't even track it all, which is remarkable. But we'll have literally, I'm not trying to be cheesy, we will literally have and get all of eternity to hear all of the stories. And awesome. um, I, that's going to be fun. <laughs> and I think we'll really get to,
1: it's, uh, to, to add to your cheesiness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on, man. I just, I, I, I don't know what all... Tribes, tongues, and people groups at the end of all that is whatever that means, what it looks like to stand mm-hmm. before the throne. But I think somehow miraculously we'll like understand each other. I think mm-hmm. you know what's we're get real cheesy here. I want to quote a, like a U two song, but what is the line that Bono says? All colors will bleed into one, mm. but I don't think we'll lose like our our cultural identities. I think think scripture is clear about that. A hundred percent. I think we're going to continue to be these, this glorious, like diverse group of people that God has made us and yet understand each other in a new and profound level. And so when we get to your point, like Mm -hmm. just getting to experience Jesus together in a, in a shared way Mm -hmm. one day while, while still being able to be distinctive. I don't know what that looks like, but.
0: Well, I mean, I think scripture is pretty clear about stuff like that. He told us to 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 go and and fill the earth and to subdue it and and really the word for that more literally is to go culture the earth go and go and the the world mm. and so the creation of cultures is by God's mandate that's not going to be eradicated but I think the Tower of Babel gets reversed mm. and we go I, I mean I, I can't imagine I, I don't, what the most beautiful language would be, perhaps a heavenly one, I guess. But um, I think we'll all be able to communicate freely and openly. And that's so much conjecture in that. But <laughs> I also can't imagine it not being that way. Um, I, I, I can't. I, I'm, I'm very hopeful. We're going to hear a lot of stories. And, <laughs> so. and you know,
1: just a, a quick side note with that is it's a reason why we do what we're doing. It's because God is calling all of humanity into his family. Um, And Hmm. we have people that are different and speak different and look different in all the things. But at the end of the day, um, you know, God wants a family. He wants a family. So when we're doing mission work, we're not just trying to, check a box in our faith and say, oh, you know, this is what we have to do to be quote unquote good Christians or mm-hmm. even just to follow the great commission, but rather it's God has adopted us as sons and daughters into his mm-hmm. family. And now we get to join him in helping draw others back into his family. Yeah, uh, we're doing what the older mm-hmm. son in the story of the prodigal son just didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's missiology at its finest. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of icky stuff. If you listening to this, maybe you've been around church a while or heard, icky stuff related to missions there's a lot of it out there mm-hmm. um the, so you know whether you're part of our local church here the vineyard in east tennessee whatever church you're, you're looking at check out their missiology and, and mm-hmm. see what it looks like and if it looks more like inviting people into the family of
0: god in a in a beautiful way in a non-patronizing way mm. yeah join up with that yeah dive in so um you're you also do a bunch of things with vineyard usa more more broadly um can you want to speak to maybe what's around the corner for maybe stuff our church is involved with locally or maybe not, but what we can uh, anticipate coming with Vineyard USA in general?
1: Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so I, I have the, the, Honor and pleasure of not only st- uh, serving on staff at our our church here in East Tennessee, but also getting to do a couple of roles um, with Vineyard USA and Vineyard, uh, and specifically Vineyard USA missions. Um, and a lot of people, you know, don't even know about uh, Vineyard missions and, and what's going on. Uh, so if you're just now hearing a little of Vineyard missions, just know this: you're 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 hearing it at a really fun time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vineyard movement as a whole is, you know, a little. Over- Forty years old, or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and so we're a new movement, and yet we're already God has already used the vineyard uh, to help start churches around the globe, multiple mm-hmm. countries. I, I don't know the exact number of countries, but just the U. the number of U.S. partnerships, in other words, uh, U.S. churches that have come together to start a work in a country is about forty-five. Wow. So just the U.S. work alone uh, is working in. Um, directly in 45 countries and indirectly in more than that, mm-hmm. and I say it's an exciting time to to you know just know about the greater vineyard and what's going on. Um, it's so exciting because you know Jay Pathak, our our new national director, um, one of the the top points of emphasis that he has kind of um, encouraged and uh, the vineyard USA to, to kind of wrap their minds around is what is God doing globally, specifically in terms here it is mm-hmm. of unreached. People groups. Yeah, in right. fact, we just had our national conference in July, mm-hmm. there were three points of emphasis um, and, uh, emphases, (laughs) uh, English is hard. And, and one of them was global missions. Mm -hmm. Um, and specifically Specifically. with that unreached people groups, and even more specific, a lot was said about unreached, unengaged people groups. So we had some unbelievable speakers at the national conference. It was Mm -hmm. in my mind, I know I'm biased. I think it was (laughs) the highlight of the whole national conference. And it was Mm -hmm. a great national conference, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the missions day that we had. And so um, a big thing that Vineyard USA Missions is doing right now is is, is inviting Vineyard churches and people uh, into what uh, what God is doing globally in terms of unreached people groups. And our church has already kind of been doing that. Yeah, we're not the only one that's been doing that, but um, uh, you know, our church has about a almost a, about a decade of experience yeah. and at least knowing and wrapping our heads around that, and even getting our hands dirty. And so. Yeah, it's just cool. It's a a great time to not only see our local church, but even our our own tribe, the Vineyard, uh, enter into this profoundly difficult but important work in this season of human history. So as we've been looking all, you know, this this whole podcast series this season, we've been talking about trends and revival and and movements and um, renewal and, and up to the present day, and hey... Here we are, like yeah. a part of it. Uh-huh. It's just such an honor. It's it's like mm-hmm. a, a pinch me thing that <laughs> that we get to do this stuff and enter into the last two thousand years of what has happened since Jesus mm-hmm. showed
0: up and said, Hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've got our little forty year run here and the fact that the Lord would um allow us to be a part of what he's doing is just it's unbelievable. It's absolutely remarkable. And makes my tiny little faith that we talked about at the beginning of this <laughs> seem all the more ridiculous. Of course God has remarkable things in, in um, on the docket and we've seen them we've seen so many incredible things and it really is heating up like it's it's not it's not winding down at all it is heating up it's heating up in our local stuff in Vineyard USA around the world all these different waves of what's happening.
1: Yeah, I think uh, so. Coming just got, coming out of that national conference, like I've, I've one of the roles that I have with Vineyard USA is is just helping th- three of our nine regions to mobilize and mission, mm-hmm. and it's been unbelievable the amount of people that I've talked to that have said, "How do we get involved with this?" We, we, we kind of knew some of this was going on. We had no idea this was like our, that. Our tribe, the Vineyard, was mm-hmm. was all about it, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, we yeah. we are, and we're we're positioned and ready." Uh, for what God's calling us into in this season, and so mm-hmm. our church and our movement that uh, we're a part of, um, yeah, man, it's just I, it's it, it's going to be an exciting next few decades. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but mm-hmm. I'm very optimistic
0: it. And you've helped, and excited. You've helped to build some clear pathways and like on ramps for churches that are are maybe brand new to this or maybe don't have. You know, thousands of people or millions of dollars, but still right where they're at, there's a clear path for them to, to be engaged in this and make a huge difference. And that that work has been really important that you've done. That's really helped serve Vineyard USA more broadly. I'm grateful for that. Really. Well, it's, it's
1: a team effort, man. We've got a lot of people right here in our own church that have supported and and, and, and given and gone and prayed for and all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, a, a team within our, our, our Vineyard family here in the USA And then, gosh, just some of the guys and gals I get to work with around the world, they are heroes of mine. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, they believe believe in this stuff. They believe that God's going to do a work in our life and is doing a work in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the best is yet to come.
0: Yeah. How can it not be when the missions coordinator's name is? Bubba Justice. Bubba Justice. <laughs> Bubba Justice. Bubba Justice. With a name like that, um, how can it not be incredible? <laughs>
1: yeah, and he talks like a guy named Bubba Justice. He
0: does. He really does. <laughs> He's from Alabama. He can't help it. Oh, but yeah, the guy's crushing it. He's
1: doing yeah. a great job and leading very, very well. Yeah,
0: good. Well, hey, Josh, thanks for sharing your area of expertise. Really appreciate it. And um, now that we are um, here at the Maryville Vineyard, uh, uh, history buffs and experts on all that God has done <laughs> for the last two thousand years um I'm really excited to to face forward now and see what he does see what he does next
1: yeah, yep. uh, I would just want to say one other quick thing, and that sure. is that is uh. I hope throughout this series you've seen that God moves in really unexpected ways. And so I I hope this has, like, just increased your faith. But um, I would just say all these crazy stories, even stories you've heard today of God working in places maybe you had no idea he was working in, and uh, I think he'll do the same thing in your life and in the places where you are doing life and the networks mm-hmm. that you're working in. So mm-hmm. be encouraged. He works in unexpected places amongst mm-hmm. unexpected people.
0: Yeah, that's good. And as we've said many times, crisis precedes renewal. And, and we've experienced a lot of unsettling stuff and uh, the emergence of perhaps some persecution and things that feel like a crisis. Even in our in our entirely blessed context, we're starting uh, to experience more and more of that. And yet that's, that's fertile ground for the next great thing. So... Really, really eager to see what God does next, and and I think He's going to keep letting us play along with Him and be a part of it uh, as long as we stay um, uh, fully surrendered to whatever He has. Keep our yes ready, and uh, be ready to say yes to wherever He points. And He's going to keep doing great stuff. So, well, guys, um, that's a that's it, man. That's a wrap for the Conversations Podcast Season Three. So. Uh, thanks for joining us all throughout the season. If you missed any along the way, go back. They're there in the archive. Um, a lot of good history and learning there. And then uh, heads up, we'll, we'll be on a break for a little while. but then um, uh, we're gonna this podcast is going to shift a little bit and it will reemerge in, in a bit of a different form, but um, we'll save those details for down the road. Uh, for now. Thanks for joining us. Uh, For this season of the Conversations Podcast. God bless you guys.